Now, as the days get warmer, many of us, I'm sure, will be looking forward to enjoying our gardens. And for keen gardeners, there's good news. BBC Gardeners World Live is back at the NEC in Birmingham from Thursday the 15th to Sunday the 18th of June. And among the fabulous displays is one very special show garden that aims to harness the power of plants for feelings of well-being. Joining me on the line to explain the thinking behind the Liz Earle Beauty Company's Botanical Show Garden is Platinum Award-winning designer Lucy Bravington and the company's ethnobotanist James Wong. Lucy, first of all, coming to you, um, lots of anticipation about this garden. Tell me the thinking behind it. Yes, so I can't wait to create the space. It's it's really designed to showcase a lot of the botanical ingredients within the Lizelle products and just create the there's quite a classic English garden structure with a, the hedging which frames the space and creates that kind of calm zen feel spa like quality to the garden and lots of perennials linked to the ingredients like lavender, echinacea, chamomile, cornflower and borage which are used in lots of the products so and there's also a sculpture and seats that kind of link to the Lizelle grand home of the Isle of Wight so there's coastal elements as well Hmm. so lots going on. it's, It's tapping into that um, thing that connects the garden with well-being and mental health and things like that, and it's a it's a it's a, a complete sensory thing. Definitely, yeah. There, there should be quite a lot of fragrance coming from these perennials. People the chance to take inspiration from that and um, kind of take those fragrances home to inspire them in their own garden and uh, and relate back to the products they use in the bathroom. So mm. it's sort of linking that all through and obviously getting out in the garden and in the outdoors, we all know now is so key to our well-being and making everyone feel calmer. Yeah, and I guess in, on a on a warm summer's day, the smells that will come from the things you've got in the garden, because they, they do say that smell is one of the most powerful um, of the senses, isn't it? And creates emotional links. Is, is that what you're aiming for? Definitely, yeah. The, the oils within plants like lavender and rosemary are, are what um, Lizelle and their team are, are maximising in those products. So, yeah, they'll definitely get that link from from the well-being side of the products and the gardens uh, influence. So what are you hoping people will experience therefore? They'll see the garden, and, and I've seen a, a, a photograph uh, of it, a, a picture of the design already. I know it's going to take you 16 days with a team of people to put together. Um, yeah. But what, what are you hoping they're going to, to get from it when they when they go into the garden? Well, when they enter the garden, they'll, they'll step over a... a pool which kind of with a rill flowing through the center of the space so that instantly will calm calm the visitors water in the garden is always has always got that impact um and yeah they'll just hopefully just take a step from the buzz of the show and uh take on that calming influence of the space and all the plants Mm. so i've already said it's going to take 16 days to put together which is quite intricate that's that's a lot of work isn't it is there an element of the garden that's your favorite bit i do love the sculpture that was kind of the first piece that went into once i've got the structure sorted in my mind i wanted a focal point and that's the central 
piece that guides the eye through the space. Um, the reel will be interesting. I've not done water within a show garden before, so that that's quite a challenge, I think, but it'll be great to see it in place. Um, yeah, it's hard to choose. There's lots of textures as well within the hard landscaping. We've got um, a crushed shell gravel, um, which links back to the coastal um, theme as well. So, there's, mm. yeah, it's hard to choose. So so you have this uh, initial conversation with James, uh, who's working for the Liz Earl Company, and, and, and the idea and the concept comes together. In front of you is a blank piece of paper. what is the start point what's the inspiration that you then use to to put this garden together um yeah i did quite a lot of research into the brand and the and the isle of white home um and it's obviously a a british brand so that's why i went down the classic english garden route with the frame framework of the bleached hedging and trees um and then obviously there's botanical ingredients needed to be incorporated somewhere so yeah it's just quite a gradual process of pulling all that together mm. it was a great brief i really enjoyed it is there a point i'm always curious with with garden design in fact lots of people who are who are architects and artists and, and produce things is there a point where you you have to say right that's it otherwise you start tinkering and then you add something definitely. else something. <laughs> yeah definitely even with um my my work with clients throughout the year there's just a point where I'm I'm happy with it and I won't submit that to clients until I'm 100% happy so it's funny yeah you just get to a point where that's it and it feels right hopefully it'll feel right in the space <laughs> well it's going to look fantastic I, I can say for sure um, and, I, and also I wonder do you have a sort of a perfect ideal dream garden because again going when you're designing something you've got a blank piece of paper you can put whatever you like in it so if you were sort of uh, designing a garden for yourself as an award-winning designer what would be the sort of garden design that would make you happy for 365 days at least of a year well i have actually just um gone through that process of designing my own garden and it's almost finished but i don't think it ever really will be um i keep adding more plants and i do tinker with it and test out plant combinations so it's kind of my garden muse (laughs) but um yeah there's so many styles i like i do love this classic um style like the Lizelle garden with clean lines that's I do always tend to go down quite clean strong structure and then soften it with perennials and grasses so yeah I'd say the Lizelle one's pretty close to my perfect style excellent um lots of young people found themselves interested in gardening and horticulture possibly through covid when they weren't allowed to go out and we see increasing Mm. numbers of young people coming to the show some of them may see your garden and maybe even see you there and meet you and be inspired to follow in your footsteps taking up garden design as a career landscaping as, as a career what would you say to them what advice would you give to them lucy yeah, um, yeah, I'll be at the show all four days, so do come and say hi if you have got any queries about a career in horticulture. But um, the first step would be probably to start a short course. Um, there's lots available across the country. I studied at Pershaw, um, and that was brilliant. They've got loads of courses. Um, and just, yeah, get a taster of 
whether you think it's right for you, but it's definitely got lots of facets within the industry where I think anyone could find the right space for them. What what drew you into it initially? Um, the creativity, I think. I did a business degree first, but I was never one to go That's into very an different office. to gardening, isn't um, it? <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted design. to... Yeah, I wanted to have my own business, so I have combined the two. Um, but, yeah, I would never have been stuck in an office every day doing the same thing. I love the fact um, designing's no days the same. I can be in the office, in the studio some days and out on site others, placing plants, going to look at nurseries. It's it's brilliant. I highly recommend career in the industry. And so turning to James, and first of all, James, you've got the most brilliant job title, ethnobotanist. What, what does that entail? Well, it's just so, so sure it's brilliant, or is it just a little bit confusing <laughs> for most people? Um, so an ethnobotanist is basically a type of botanist, a specialism within botany, so plant science. And uh, we specifically look at plant use. So not the genetics of plants or how they work in an ecosystem, all the other specialists in botany. We um, study things like food plants or medicinal plants or plants that are used in skincare. Fascinating. Now, Lucy, as we know, has already explained what people can expect to experience when they go into the garden. How does that link in with the work that you do? I think um, one of the fascinating things is when we were first setting this up is trying to marry um, the kind of the hardcore science that goes on behind the scenes with public education. You know, how do you make a garden that when you're wandering on a show looks flawlessly beautiful, um, is really inspirational, and people can have that emotional connection with a background where they can be a little bit deeper and actually understand some of the science versus, you know, the traditional stuff that you see at flower shows where they're educational are kind of flat boards with pie charts on them and scientific <laughs> diagrams and often not a single plant there. And that's definitely not what we wanted to do. So how do you reach out to people to do that? And I think she's done a brilliant job. You know, I've been looking at the plans all the way through. And, I mean, this is just dripping in gloss. It's kind of effortlessly uh, aesthetic and just is, you know, exactly what you expect to see from a flower show. But dotted throughout it are pretty much all of the key ingredients that we use um, and can be used to tell a story. Because I think to a lot of people, they may have heard of aloe vera, for example, or they may have heard of chamomile or any number of plants we use. They, they may not necessarily be able to identify them or even know what they look like. Um, so I think that's the kind of uh, the, the, our key goal. And, and there's, a, there's a big link, James, isn't there, between particularly things like smells. Uh, as, uh, as I was saying to Lucy, you know, that, that's one of the, the most powerful of the senses that, that affects yeah. our well-being. Absolutely. And there's some really good evidence to suggest um, that it can have a really powerful effect on both uh, your physical and mental well-being. And um, that's kind of the re- well, at least one of the reasons why plants produce them. Um, plants produce scents in flowers, for example, to attract pollinators. Um, it's just that we have, in some ways, quite similar brains. <laughs> mm. So we get attracted to them in a really similar way. Mm. Um, so plants produce all of these things to have a biological effect. Uh, yeah, it is really fascinating to me specifically how scent is so powerful, because you have that flashback moment, don't you? You can have something that looks wonderful, but if something smells like your grandma's garden when you were a kid, you are instantly taken back there 
And I think that's one of the wonderful things about gardens, and particularly in an era where we're seeing so many images of things. You know, you see the TV coverage of, of flower shows, or you might see everything on Instagram, but it's only in reality do you suddenly get that full three-dimensional appreciation of, you know, stepping into a rose garden and being hit by that wall of scent. Mm. And are there surprising things which can affect our mood? I mean, every, you've mentioned chamomile, and I, I guess lavender is a is a classic one that, um, that is, is very soothing. But are there some surprising ones that people might not know about? Well, I think there are. One of the things that research is really uncovering is that um, it's not necessarily just plant A contains compound B, and therefore that is directly taken up into your bloodstream, or you, you sniff it and then therefore it elicits a... What we're realizing now is that the effect that plants can have on mood is much more complex. Mm. So, for example, simply walking around a green space has been demonstrated to allow you to burn more calories and feel easier than the same walk if not in a green space. Um, and there was actually some really interesting research that was done uh, by some of my colleagues at Essex University and what they were trying to figure out is what exactly is it about plants? Is it what they contain? Is it simply looking at them? And they put, I think it was a treadmill study. So they had a bunch of blokes, they shoved them on treadmills, and they showed them screens of the natural world. And amazingly, if you show the same footage uh, to these people while they're exercising in black and white or with a red filter over, it has a very diminished effect than if shown in full technicolor. Mm. So we are beginning to think it may be something as simple as the color green. There were some subjective responses. So, you know, they would come off with journals and they would talk about their, their self-reported moves. But there were other studies which actually looked at measurable things like heart rate, stress hormones. Um, these aren't subjective. They're really easily measurable and objective. A lot of people, James, will also be conscious of the issue of using large quantities of natural ingredients, plants, crops, whatever they might be, in beauty products. But I know the ethical side of your work is phenomenally important to you, isn't it? It's really tricky, you know. I think that um, it's quite easy to think if you're a non-geek that using only naturals or using a lot of naturals is automatically going to be a more ethical option than using synthetics. And actually, that's not really the case. Um, in fact, often it's our natural ingredients that are some of the more ethically challenged, and that's because um, you have to farm them. And when you look at the leading causes of biodiversity loss around the world, agriculture is one of the key ones. They're the key contributor to habitat loss, which is one of the major drivers of environmental degradation. So we have to be really careful in figuring out ways that we can either get plants that haven't been grown, that haven't been farmed. So we might use... Um, plants that are sustainably harvested from the wild, for example, or if we are using farmed products, it's how to make sure that the particular plant we're using and its method of growing and being harvested treads as lightly on the earth as possible. BBC Gardeners World Live is at the NEC in Birmingham from Thursday the 15th to Sunday the 18th of June. There is lots of information on the website, bbcgardenersworldlive.com, particularly about how you can get tickets. And remember that tickets for this show also 
also get you entry into BBC Good Food Show Summer. And of course, you'll have plenty of time to walk around and have a look at the Lizelle Beauty Company's Botanical Show Garden. Uh, James uh, and Lucy, both of you, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, just finally, I know that the Lizelle Company has a base in the Isle of Wight, doesn't it? What's special botanically about the Isle of Wight, James? Oh my goodness, yeah, it's a world, recently, it's a world UNESCO uh, heritage site, but specifically for um, its biodiversity. It has this really unusual mix of different landscapes, which means it has this, for the, in a UK context at least, mega biodiversity in terms of plants. It's an amazing place to go. Fantastic. I shall see you both at the show, but for now, Lucy and James, many thanks.